Welcome to Ranch Girl Rants Podcast, where a couple of cowgirls talk about pretty much everything. Social issues, current events, true crime cases, ranch living, and we even delve into the hunt for Bigfoot. This podcast may contain strong language and is suitable for mature audiences. Welcome to episode two, and I am Jan. And I'm Denise. Of Ranch Girl Rants. And today, we're going to rant about a couple of things. I'm going to rant about a homicide that happened right here in my neighborhood. And you're not going to really rant, but you're going to talk about... Bigfoot. Bigfoot. And your Bigfoot expedition that you did. Right. In Oregon, it was great. So, you want to start? Well, I can start. Sure. So, I'm a big podcast listener, and I was scrolling and I like to listen to true crime stuff and not always but you know that interests me and this one particular podcast came up on my uh, iPhone that was a editor's pick so I kind of like to look at those because they're really highly rated and I'm like oh to live and die in LA I wonder what this is about so I started listening to this podcast and it was about the murder of a Hollywood a young Hollywood actress and she was an aspiring actress. She's like 25. Yeah, you? very young and and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking there is something vaguely familiar about all of this. And then I realize after like a couple of episodes where the uh, the person that put on this podcast the name is Neil Neil Strauss, he's a highly famous journalist. And he was talking about the Spenceville Wildlife Area. I'm like, oh my God, that is the body that they found just last year. It, there was a body of a young girl, young woman, and they were saying it was a Hollywood actress found alongside of the creek at the Spenceville Wildlife Area, which is just a stone's throw back, uh, like the hill behind my and house. And we've both ridden across that oh creek. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that's where we ride our horses. Mm-hmm. That's... So they were on the news, they were showing this gate. I'm like, oh my God, that's the horse staging area. That's where we all park our horse trailers and saddle up our horses. We ride right across that creek and that's how we get on the trail. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, a Hollywood actress was found back there? That is so bizarre because I thought, well, first they found a body back there. It's probably some tweaker from, you know, all And what first. the hell is someone from LA <laughs> doing up here? Right. No. What, an, what a weird place to dump a body. And so... I was kind of intrigued about that last year and kind of followed it a little bit and found out that it was the boyfriend had brought her up here because he had some sort of a family member that lived here in our town. His name was Chris Spots, and he was also an actor. He was a little bit older than her. He was like in his mid-30s. But he supposedly brought her up here to meet the dad or something, or something, some family function. But then she never... Then she comes up missing, so they start questioning the boyfriend, and he's saying, oh, we got in a big fight down by... And she down, never met right the up. parents, right? Or the, the, or the I dad? Guess, I guess not. Never made I, it that far? Yeah. So he says they got in a big fight down just outside of L.A. by Magic Mountain, and he he she got out of the car, and that was the last he saw her. I'm like, yeah, right, dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're just going to leave her out on the side of the freeway right. and, just, and then drive away? Right. I don't think so. But anyway, he ends up committing suicide. And that was kind of the end of it. Case closed. Okay, he did it. Committed suicide. Blah blah blah. So I'm listening to this podcast, "To Live and Die in L.A." I highly recommend it. So good, so well done. Where now Neil Strauss, the the journalist, he hooks up with this private investigator that's very well known. A lot of high. Pro- he's done a lot of high profile 
cases of finding missing people and murders and that sort of thing. Because the family of the victim, her name was Adea Shabani, they wanted to know, yeah, the boyfriend committed suicide, but we think there's more to this story. We think there might be other players involved. We want to know exactly what happened to her and the whole foot, all the footsteps that were taken. So they hired this private investigator who got a hold of this journalist and together they worked this case and man did they work this case they talked to family members on both sides they talked to Adea's family members they talked to Chris Spots's family members his biological mother in in Colorado he was raised in Colorado he wasn't raised here in Wheatland and I thought for sure that possibly he was raised around here and that he would know to bring a somebody up here to murder me know exactly yeah, that area is it's, you gotta you you have to look for it and you it's not yeah. easy to find unless you know it's right. not something that's well, uh, along the beaten path no and so i just assume well this kid grew up here he had a dad here so he knew you know where to take a body and dump a body well that was not the case this guy was not raised here. He didn't even hardly know his dad. He'd only seen him maybe a couple of times a whole entire life because he was raised by his mother in Colorado and they had a very estranged relationship. I mean, they were, it was a volatile restraining orders and oh my God, it was, they, they weren't even talking. So he had like this really very casual once in a while relationship with, the, with his real dad. So he'd only been up here maybe once or twice in the past but very short visits and mm. that one time was he you know taken around a Spenceville wildlife area and all this stuff mm. well they had been interviewing the dad that lives up here and the dad doesn't seem that innocent anymore mm. and it seems like the dad might have helped the son dispose of the body because mm. the dad is the only way that this kid would have known that Spenceville wildlife area existed and we're so not going to mention the dad's name since he's... Since he lives right down the street from me. But they mention his name in the podcast. Oh, they do? Oh, okay. yeah. They mention it. They interview the dad ad nauseum. And he's one of these kind of guys that likes to hear his own voice. So mm. he says, blah, 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 blah. He just incriminates himself all over the place. He's an idiot. Mm -hmm. He's an idiot. So anyway, listen to this podcast. I highly recommend it. But... I was so intrigued by it. At the end of the podcast, he said, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me. And I'm like, oh yeah, dude, I am emailing you because I live here and I have questions and I have comments mm -hmm. because number one, obviously they were a couple of the dad, if that's where he told that kid to bury the body, what an idiot, because that is such a high trafficked place mm -hmm. that so many hikers and horseback riders mm. are in there that body would have been found pretty it was winter time it was february so not that many people but eventually it would have been found and it was buried in a shallow grave and died coyotes would have been digging that body mm. up you know that poor girl and so there was that and then there was this instance where the journalist and the private investigator actually followed the path of this boyfriend from the time they left the apartments in Los Angeles, because they have video footage of both of them getting in the car, the girl and guy, and with their suitcases, she's willingly getting in the car, thinking she's coming up here for a family function, a funeral or something. Oh, yeah, it was a funeral, and there was really no funeral because nobody would, nobody in the family had died. <laughs> he just told her that to wow. get her in the car. So that's so, premeditation, right? There. Absolutely, that's premeditation. So anyway, he gets her in the car, and through his 
phone because apparently if you have a Samsung, not so much with a with an iPhone because Samsungs are hooked onto the, to Google. You have to have it's all Gmail and Google. Google Earth or uh, Google the Google account, your oh, Google okay. account. Okay. okay. And he had a Samsung. He obviously had a Samsung or some sort of Google phone that traced. They were they were able to get his password through an ex-girlfriend oh no it was his, his fiance oh my god this thing it was a love triangle thing he had a fiance and he had should sh- um, um adea the girl that got murdered anyway the fiance gave up the investigator at this guy's password so they can get into his phone and they were able to trace every minute by minute his movements all the way to wheatland that's crazy they could trace him going past the dad's house and then going past the dad's house again, and then going up a really long driveway. And I know exactly what driveway this is. It's a ranch. It's a ranch out there. They stayed out there for about 25 minutes or something like that because they could see all this on the Google thing. And then they came back down the driveway, and then they finally went up the dad's driveway. And then you can see him walking around dad's property for like, a half an hour. I mean, it was something insane. He was How just far walking. away was the dad um, located from, from where they found her? So probably um, the dad's property to the Spenceville Wildlife Area, maybe t- like 10 miles. Because, mm-hmm. But it's all like dirt roads and stuff because we live about 10 miles from there if you go mm-hmm. down the dirt roads, mm-hmm. I guess. I think it's 10 miles maybe. Anyway... He just lives right around the corner, right right around the corner from me. So there was question whether the car got dri- the, the the car got driven out in the middle of this field because they're out in the middle of this field on the neighbor's property for a while. And so I called him. I said, "There's there's no way they would have driven out there in February. They would have sunk that mm-hmm. car. They had been walking around. So there's all this time spent on the dad's property walking around, and then da, 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 and then they end up at Spenceville where they dump the body. And so did that track? Did it track his? vehicle to the Spenceville? The- yes. To a point where they kind of lost a signal because you do leave, you mm-hmm. do lose cell signal out mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. it did track them to a point and I know exactly where that is. It's a kind of almost midway to the Spenceville down that road. Okay. Down the gravel road. Anyway. So when the, when the LAPD, when the kid committed suicide, case closed, they never talked to anybody again. But I'm telling you, this podcast, if LAPD doesn't open up this case again and start talking to this jackass father and start asking him some Because there's still questions. business to be done. Yes. With him. And, 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 but now we've got other agencies involved. We have Nevada County because that's where the body was found. So mm-hmm. their DA or whatever, their investigators need to be talking to him because the dad's ex-wife, she started singing like a bird too. And really? she started talking about, oh, he's, you know, he was calling me and telling me about how, you know, he had to help Chris. And like, oh, wow. Oh, my God. Did he make any so, admissions to her on the. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Kind of enough where I think some investigators no go need to be talking to his and ass. And you don't know, and you don't know if they've talked to these people. No. I, I think that, um, no, I don't. And I'm sure that even um, Neil. Um, the guy that did the podcast probably wouldn't know either because law enforcement, if, if, it's, if the investigations reopen, I'm sure they wouldn't tell him squat. But, but anyway, so but they, I think an arrest, I think a, it's some questioning, but I think he, I think he helped him. I think he right. helped him not, maybe not kill the girl, but I think he definitely helped him dispose of that body. Oh, the body was wrapped in bailing twine and a tarp. Bailing twine. Mm-hmm. Where'd that kid from LA get bailing twine? 
I don't know. That, I don't know. Well, daddy and, raises horses. Yeah, but I don't know that you can even. Can you? I'm sure you can buy that separately at like Home Depot or something Valentine? or a ranch. I don't know. Yeah. But he's just a kid from L.A. Right. He did stop at a hardware store in L.A. before he put a day in the car and got a shovel and some other stuff. <laughs> wow. Like, oh, yeah. Well, you're coming it's to a, a clue. Key, you're coming to the <laughs> funeral. You're going to buy a shovel just yeah, before you leave. Yeah. And some other, and some gloves and, you know, leather gloves and wow. other things. But anyway, that, so that was my big obsession. Turns out it was her funeral. Yes. Right. I, anyway, I mean, that poor girl, I felt so bad for her family and to know that now they have some answers, but now but they have some answers, but they have Well, what's interesting questions. to me is this, information about tracking so people with, with samsung phones right so yes because i went on my google account and i tried to track me mm -hmm. but my tracking and it showed because i had a samsung phone for a long time but it stopped in 2017 when i got my iphone that's when my tracking stopped. Can, did they have to get a search warrant to get that information from google they would yeah they would because the investigator... But it's still a tool. So those of you out there right. that are planning something with a Samsung phone, you might want to <laughs> think about you it twice. You might want to turn that bitch off. Yeah, you might want to turn that bitch <laughs> off. <laughs> well, that's just amazing. That's, that's interesting to me, that, that aspect of it. I well, mean, it's terrible that she When I looked at my murdered, Google but... tracking, oh my God, it showed me when I went to Florida, when I had layovers in Texas, wow. when I went to Puerto Rico. Of course, everywhere I went, around here well in that instance it it's, it's, it's not a good thing that you know people know where you are at all times the the good part about it is for instance in, a, in something like to solve a crime it's a good tool but it's you know you can't have it both ways sometimes I mean people you know always bitch about you know privacy and uh, algorithms and you know um, for marketing but it's kind of hard to differentiate you know it's either it's either they can get the information or they can't. Right. You know what I mean? It's in, in something as stupid as, you know, your habits on Facebook or whatever, or what you like to buy. But in this case, it's a tool for law enforcement. Oh my and, God. Yeah. You know, so. And why, why law enforcement was just going off of his cell phone pings when they were investigating, mm -hmm. when she was still missing and they weren't, they couldn't find her. And, but um, the pings, but the pings but are not. Pings are not reliable. No, they're not accurate to the to the no. point. Of, so they're they're within what? Uh, I can't remember. I remember. No, like pinging yeah. is is a common investigative tool, but I don't. I think that they can only track to within a mile or or, or a mile or something like that. So it's right. not accurate. No, it's not. It's very because I've heard other podcasts where they're trying mm -hmm. to solve murders and crimes using mm -hmm. cell phone pings, and it's just mm -hmm. kind of all over the place. They brought in they brought in um, experts that mm -hmm. said, "Yeah, you can't really. That's not, it's like it's a good indicator, mm -hmm. possibly like trying to find a missing person. Like maybe you know, a lot the last ping mm -hmm. they had was in this area, but you can't really trace all their movements like this Google. Oh my god! And I think that and you literally see a red line with Google. <laughs> And upcoming episodes or podcasts that you can address, uh, you're an avid hiker and uh, you have a lot of knowledge and experience about that in terms right. of, you know, the necessary tools that hikers need, like uh, yeah, uh, be locators, beacon locators. Well, and back all to that. this case, they were able to trace him. So after you left dad's house, they were able to trace him to the CD hotel up in um, run North Sacramento area. And they traced him to where he walked over to a dumpster where they probably he was probably disposing of some items. Mm -hmm. And then he walked over here and walked. I mean, they were able to trace every single step this dude took because he had his cell phone in his pocket, probably. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it was it, why law enforcement didn't use that tool. It took an investigator and a and a and a journalist 
to use that tool. Well, to because that. they were dedicated, they had the time to dedicate to that. Yeah. And a lot of times, like especially Los Angeles oh. Police Department is just bombarded. And that, yes, that's another, that's what they, when they, the very first thing in this podcast is what he says is that there are like thousands upon thousands of missing people mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And on their website, it says, do not rely on law enforcement to find your missing mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. You have to hire your own investigator mm-hmm. unless there's, because good portion of those people don't want to be found or they're um, not really missing. They just mm-hmm. didn't tell people where they were going. So anyway, they um, say, yeah, we're not going to look for your people unless unless they have really good possibility that person was kidnapped and, you know, possibly. Well, murder. for instance, I know that from my experience that uh, when we would do like a welfare check, um, on a person. So a relative would call and say, Hey, I, you know, such and such is at this location. Can you do a welfare check? You know, cause you know, we're going to put him as a missing person or whatever. Well, if you're an adult and you're lucid and you have sound health and you don't have any, um, you're not, you know, have a conservator or whatever, what all the only thing cop can do is go up to the person and say, such and such is looking for you. Um, please call them. Um, you, all you can tell the reporting party are, is, the person's in good health, the person's fine, or the person's this or that. Can, don't have to tell the reporting party where they are because as a prerogative for privacy, an adult has every right to be where they are at that time. And, and uh, the relative or the person that's concerned, it's uh, they, they don't often get that information because they're an adult. And right. uh, so, you know, people think, okay, well, you know, I'm going to, the cops are going to tell, you know, find them and tell them, you know, if the person doesn't want their relatives to know where they are, that's their right. So correct. So unless they were what they consider um, in danger, endangered, missing adult, in which you know medical problems, um, child, yeah, a child, a, a juvenile, you know, um, no, uh, a an adult with this with with, with good health has every right to be anonymous where they are, and and that's it. <laughs> so, in the story. So when they say that, oh, but this is so out of their character. This is something they would never, ever, ever, ever do. You know, a lot of times end up in Bakersfield or something. Yeah. Well, um, who... I know that. I'm sure that happens a lot, though. I mean, that family goes, "Oh my God, this is something mm-hmm. they'd never do." This is so well. I mean, at character. the at the time of the of the contact, then the whoever's then investigating are... it can look dig a little deeper and, and yeah. find out if there's people with them. Separate people and interview them separately. I mean, you often do. You separate them because you don't. You know, in case they are kidnapped, you don't. You know, they're not going to tell you anything right. in front of the kidnapper. So you'd separate them, and you know, and are you okay? Are you here on your own free will? And all See, that. See, and kind I of have stuff. another story that I personally um, know the parents. I didn't know the girl, but the Sherry Papini case up in Reading. Mm-hmm. She was the the super mom. It made all the national news. It was huge news. Oh, I I have friends that know and I through know, third parties know her. And I know right. And I know the parents. I've known the parents like since like the seventies. Mm-hmm. And that was a I, weird one. It was weird. And I went up there and I you know and they they're like they were so distraught. But in the meantime. You know, they were kind of finding some things out that they didn't know about her. Mm-hmm. But after she came, after she was, you know, found, she did have physical inju- injuries that were horrible that she couldn't have inflicted on herself, like mm-hmm. broken broken ribs, broken nose. And she was you found know. along the road or something? She was in Woodland, yeah, in the middle of the night. Like and some it, chicks beat her up or something? Yeah, like mm-hmm. 1 o'clock in the morning or something. But she was missing for like two weeks. She was missing for a long, two mm-hmm. or three weeks. I mm-hmm. mean, it was a long time. Mm-hmm. And 
her hair was all cut off and she was had burns on her where they branded her and they broke her like I said she had broken ribs broken nose and so I highly believe that she was abducted however I don't know the circumstances of who these women were if she knew them and that's those are the mysteries we don't know is there because a lot of the conspiracy like oh she faked this whole thing she no, wasn't was she jogging to... at the time mm -hmm. so yeah. and and so maybe they rolled out that she had a serious fall down some sort of an embankment maybe broker bones or it was well this was this jog that she was just down the end of a road i mean it was a very i know there the was road. no terrain that no. would have okay <laughs> no it was like just a like a drive jogging down my road yeah it's just a very flat just right long not reasonable to think that she no. yeah mm -mm. she yeah. was it was an accidental injury well we, you know at first when she was taken i mean god maybe she got taken by a mountain lion you know because mm -hmm. they are kind of the little mountainous you know area mm -hmm. up there above, uh, north of Reading, and yeah but then but, she'd have wild animal teeth marks uh, or right, claw marks exactly. or they could find that easily enough of dna and all that right on her. but but so. anyway but her her husband was frantically looking for her and it was he was it was really really sad when i went up to visit the parents i mean it was just a really really sad ordeal and then when they were found it was interesting i got a call from my other friend who worked who uh, at that time was still working for sacramento county sheriff's department and he heard over the radio that they had found her and, oh, wow. and uh, he called me immediately and he said yeah she had some weird chains on her she her hands were chained and, mm -hmm. and you know some weird you know shit going down with that and mm -hmm. and i thought oh my god this is just the most bizarre story but there's a faction of people that don't believe her and there's a faction of people that do believe her somewhere in the middle her. is the truth it's somewhere in the middle of the truth i believe she was abducted i'm not quite sure the circumstances around that but what was really sucky those poor parents you know they're just the parents and they're you know they're, they're just trying to live their lives and they were hounded by the by the, yeah. the tabloids oh my god they had they had a cabin up in the hills and they were tabloid like from the national Enquirer, the rag ass magazines up there you know up there um waiting for them at their, they found out that they had a cabin right. up there i'm like how they found that cabin is bizarre but anyway yeah they were just being hounded by the by the tabloids the parents and they, they had, had to, they had to get rid of their social media it was sucked and that kind of dovetails into something we'll talk about in another podcast but the missing 411 uh series david politis um who's a retired detective he has written books about it and i am a complete nut about his youtube um podcast he's mainly a guest on uh coast to coast radio um he anyway he, that's another whole nother thing and that's about the uh missing people in the u.s uh parks uh land u.s forest service and there's it's a whole can of worms in in that um so wow yeah no it's uh that's interesting stuff and yeah i know so a know, lot of times and people don't get closure you know and that's unfortunate right. so yeah so i would i would highly recommend ren to listen to to live and die in la and all your it's available in all your podcast um dealios and very highly well produced but i think you're gonna find there's a lot more questions that need to be mm. answered on that deal and what freaked me out was the guy oh my god so when they were describing you know coming down i'm like oh my god it came down right down my road and I, oh yeah it's it kind of scary crazy. Yeah. yeah and it was on dr oz recently and so I, of course me i get on the phone and i start calling some local yokels around here that have lived in town for a long time mm. a lot of business owners you know and i go hey have you heard of this one guy and they're like 
oh yeah, we know who he is. He's mm-hmm. real sketchy. You know, that was the word, sketchy. Mm-hmm. I heard that from a couple of different people. Sketchy. Uh, you know, lots, lot, uh, kind of a uh, uh, loud mouth, brags about stuff, makes up tall tales. The father? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The father. Loose lips sink ships. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about your little adventure of the other big missing boy. Well, which, I'm not. Which I'm not, has a lot of hair. It does. He and does. He, and we can't seem to take really good pictures of him. Yeah, got... I don't know. It's all fake news. What can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I started. I was interested in it. Like in the, I think it was the early '90s. I went. I started going up fishing in the Klamath with my brother-in-law, um, my nephew and his wife. And a friend of mine, and I uh, can't remember what year. Is you know, long story short, went up there, uh, hundred foot from the Klamath, the bank of the Klamath River, uh, Aikens Creek Campground, which is just past Wichpeck. Um, it's in the area of you know Bluff Creek. The whole Gimlin Patterson film was filmed in 1967. Um, I think it's and maybe that's the one where the the famous Bigfoot yeah. where he's walking. They call the, in the Bigfoot community they call her Patty. Yeah, she's she's walking across the creek bed right. there, and that's like the only video out there. Well, there's another one that's surfaced from a man from Oregon that's pretty compelling. Um, but the, anyway, so we were um, I actually saw that on the big screen that. Patterson Gimlin film when I was a kid and I had nightmares that Bigfoot was coming down my street to get me um so that was you know not thought of in my life until the you know the early 90s we were camping and and I was woken in the middle of the night by this scream that I could not after researching it comparing it with wild animals could not identify what it was it scared the hell out of me woke up out of a dead sleep about two in the morning woke my friend up freaking out uh then there was just an endless reticule the rest of the weekend when we were camping, you know, oh, yeah, Denise saw, you know, heard Bigfoot or whatever. <laughs> whatever, you know, I let it go because that's what happens to people. You get ridiculed. You, and a lot, of, a lot of people don't want to come forward when they see something they can't yeah. explain. So the most compelling stories to me are uh, experiences or um, encounters, if you will, are the ones that were, where people have to be sought out. Witnesses, you know, word of mouth, hey, Bob saw something. But Bob never came out and told anybody. Doesn't want to talk about it. But you have to press Bob to talk about it. Those are the interesting stories to me. Encounters because they don't want recognition for it. They um, just going to be. They they feel that everybody's going to look at them like they're they're nuts. They're nuts. Yeah, and there are some people that are very nuts, as we mm-hmm. both know. But um, anyway, so I, I that got my interest, and then I loosely followed the the whole uh, phenomenon on, and then um, went on another camping trip, same spot, heard something same kind of a yell and um friends of mine that were there saw something bipedal walking across a ridge where no one can access it's really rough country and there's no real you know designated trail there so that you know got my interest up and then i saw on the uh, bigfoot research organization uh bfro website that you can go you can pay and go on an expedition um where they they put on classes they talk about it um it's a controlled um, outing where you go out at night and you take, you know, people that some people have like, um, infrared, uh, thermal camera imagers. Some people have uh, night vision. And who's running this? Is it BFRO? And, and the expedition leaders, there's various expedition leaders throughout the United States. Okay. So they advertise on the website. There's ones in Ohio. There's all across the board everywhere. Um, it just depends on where there's, you know, expedition leaders and, 
um, usually done in the uh, late summer, early fall. Um, but the one that led yours is like an anthropologist, right? I yeah, mean, she's yeah. She's kind of like a big deal. Yeah, on... Cindy Cadell. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that much about Cindy other than um, she's a she's a very um, she's very professional in what and she puts these expeditions on. She is an anthropologist with BLM. She's also a professional photographer. Um, so, well, I met her two years ago in Oregon near um, Tillamook, in the Tillamook Forest, and went out. And that was my first expedition and met her and Tom and Alexis Broadhead from Montana. Tom's also, and his wife, they lead expeditions in Montana. But I was like, okay, well, this might be some nutty jaunt, but let me, let me drive up to Oregon and people I don't even know never met and camp with them for a couple of days. You know, it's like a, like a three-night thing. And I did not regret it. I went up there and, you know, we have meetings at certain times. There's an agenda. You go and uh, Cindy and her daughter introduce themselves and have everybody introduce themselves. Just different levels of experience in this um, research um, present. There's probably about 15 people in the first so one. So when, when people pay money to come... Is it think it kind of weeds out some of the nuts that would just show up? Yeah, it it, it, it kind of makes you're, it you're only going to get people that are seriously wanting to do it and they spend a couple bucks to do right. it. Right, and I, it's it's not for me to speak to you know the, the fees and all that. You'd have to go right. on the BFRO website, bfro.net, I believe, right. to um, get more information. And then you know you're vetted. They don't just like anybody. And so backing uh, up, okay. I'm glad you brought that up. So when you go on there, they had to vet me, and so they do a little real peripheral background on you you know uh -huh. what do you do you know how old are you you know what you know they try to weed people out that are nuts and that are yeah. just there for you know the wrong reasons um just to mess with the and then they approve or disapprove you mm -hmm. and i got approved and then i went on that and then i um when i was there on the tillamook uh, one night we were out on top of a clear cut and i mean oregon is vast i as one resident told me and i don't know if this is accurate it's only populated by 30%. There's only 30% of a population in Oregon. The rest is like forest and, I mean, just land. Um, and those that say, oh, well, you never found the body. You never found the bones. You never, you know, how come we, you, you can't find them easily? Um, if, if, you know, there's all these that are out there. Well, here's, here's some information again. Um, around 52 airplanes are missing in the Sierra Nevada over time. They're shiny, bright objects, and they're missing. They have never found these aircraft. Well, they're just found like World War II crashes mm -hmm. not too long ago right. in places. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but they. But, yeah. And then, and then the other thing is, is that when you're, you have no idea until you're standing on top of a clear cut, looking out on the vastness of this forest, and you go, oh yeah, something can totally hide in this area. Yeah. I mean, it's just too big. There's places that have never people have never been to. So, so if I want to be a survivalist, I could get out there and just hide out. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> so I went, I went on, on that one two years ago and I really liked it. It was a lot of fun at one night. Um, and, and the, the researchers, the investigators will do howls and whoops and make sounds that are similar that you've probably all heard by now on some media form. Um, knocks, wood knocks take it. Some people bring hammer handles out, ax handles, they'll hit a tree and that's ape behavior to, Apes communicate by knocking. They also throw objects at things to either try to get them to get away from you, them or to scare you. Um, they've been known to throw rocks and small trees and, and whatnot. And so the one night that I was out there, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And they're like, hey, you know, Denise, do a whoop. 
you know, and I'm like, okay, never done one before, but I've heard it and I'll try. And I did this whoop and it carried for some distance and I, something answered me. So at the same type of a sound, whatever you want to think about that. And I, that perked up my ears a little bit. Um, then, um, I don't think any, I don't think anything substantial happened from the rest of that expedition. And so then I, two years later, recently, um, went to back to Oregon. This one was again, put it down by Cindy Cadell and her husband, Jared. And, uh, they, um, there's about 20 people there. A man from British Columbia was there. And so we, um, went out one night and, uh, did my whoop again, you know, and you know, in your mind, you're thinking, so this, oh, this is a whole different area, though. a whole then. different area. It's near uh-huh. sisters. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, past sisters, Oregon. It's up okay. north of there. That's pretty wild up there. Yeah. It's the, um, it's beautiful up there. It is. It's again, another, I mean, it's amazing how much forest is in Oregon. Um, a lot of sightings of the area, you know, the expedition leaders will research the area and if there's, and they, that's how they pick the spots. They call them hot spots, and then that's where they take folks to, you know, so, um, now I'm an investigator. I've been vetted. I'm an investigator. So all that means is that I can get onto a different database, pull reports in my surrounding area and do follow-up investigation on it. Um, I've had a few in my area, which is near, you know, Sierra Nevada area. And I did the whoop again, and again, I got an answer. And we have that on recording. Um, very faint, though. It's not real substantial. But anyway, something answered me again. And I'm like, I'll be down, you know. I guess Bigfoot likes me. I don't know. Maybe they shot out a memo and that I was You've coming. You've got the, the tone I now, got the man. whoop touch. See, you could be Bigfoot's girlfriend. I Well, you know. Yeah, I could be, but, you Poor know. Or Bigfootette's girlfriend. Yeah, but I, I like hygiene, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's it's. I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. So what I did mean, you find? You found something. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I, um. Which you didn't bring today. Very few. Did you bring that thing today? No. Oh, okay. No, I did not, but, uh. It's in its little briefcase. I, you know, it's a 14 inch in length track. So Tom and Alexis and I ventured out one day. When you say track, what does that mean? Footprint. Footprint. Okay. Footprint. Right. Yeah. And we, we ventured out up this Creek, um, in the area that we were camping and we walked about 50 yards up and I saw this deep impression in the mud on right on the edge of where the water and the mud meet, uh, the bank meets. I'm like, huh? I looked at it, and what you do is you think, okay, so what could, what, what, what isn't it? You know, it's not a footprint because when you make a footprint with a human footprint, a boot print or a shoe print, usually you don't get a uh, a heel bulb, a, you know, the the bulb of the heel. You don't get that impression, which that had. It had a an impression of the heel. So usually, if, even if a, it looked like a big, uh, a long Birkenstock. Uh, track would make because it's flat but except for the exception of the heel bulb on there um no real pronounced toes but that's neither here nor there because of what whatever they're stepping in um so we we cast it tom had some we, we used dental stone which is better than the old plaster of paris um dental stone is what your dentist uses to do molds and stuff like that and it's great stuff so we we poured it and we casted it and we brought it back and um i have it at my house now and um, I have to s- remind myself of the audience that I show it to because I've gotten some looks. Um, <laughs> and so like I, they say, oh, that looks like a, that looks like a boot print or a shoe print. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about that. You know, How, you, and it's 14 inches, 14 inches long and probably four inches across. Okay. So 
It looks like a basketball player could have made it all for the fact that it is definitely a barefoot print. It's not made by a shoe because right. of the bulb of the heel that sinks down right. lower. Yeah. Plus you'd probably see tread or something. Yeah, absolutely. Or not. You don't necessarily need mm-hmm. a shoe tread to, because lots of shoes are smooth, but that's what really kind of mm-hmm. throw it through it into another category for me. But anyway, yeah, I got that. I brought that back and, uh, there were some folks there. So uh, I have to say that you are a hundred percent believer. Yes. Okay. Because the people that I've listened to or met in person are very, very compelling. And they, they, a lot of it is their reasoning for telling about the encounters is, is a biggie for a lot of people. If you have to kind of drag it out of some people, then you know that they're not making something up for recognition or whatever motivation that this is this happened to them and you can sometimes when people tell the story they go they're right back there and they have the they have a physical reaction to it and they you can see in their face that they're reliving it and that this whatever it happened scared the hell out of them so um it, it it's a life-changing event apparently i've never seen bigfoot i've heard weird stuff um, so when you're investigating and can you know right away when you got have a crackpot on the phone, if, I guess if they're just too excited or too, yeah, blab, because blabbity, a lot of times blabbity, blabbity about they, it. They, they like to hear themselves talk uh-huh. and, and so they go on and on and they, it, it goes off into different directions and it goes off into UFOs and I'm um, not saying that they don't exist, but it goes off into other areas that are not necessary for the topic. And, right. you know, it's just like, what, 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 what are you doing this? What are you talking to me for? So you, know you took I mean? a story the other night, my sister. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm minding my own damn business in my house. And Jan calls all excited. Oh my God, my sister's here. And she has got a story for you. I said, well, let me put down my meth pipe and let me get my <laughs> recorder out and let's see what's going on. Well, why don't you tell that story? So years ago, <laughs> my sister tells me this story. I mean, we're talking, this is like the, the 70s. I don't know. She thinks it's earlier 70s. I thought it more like mid to late 70s, but it's either here nor there. Anyway, long time ago. Well, wait a minute. Is your sister a crackpot? No. Okay. My good. sister well, is not that. a crackpot. So let's just start off with yeah. that. <laughs> my sister's like the last person that I would, I guess, have a Bigfoot encounter. Anyway. So they're driving through from, they used to have a big cattle ranch in El Torres, which is in way northeastern California, way out remote area. And they were driving up to, uh, to Oregon someplace, but they were cutting up there through this one lonely highway from El Torres up towards through McLeod, California. So it wasn't like a major highway, but it was a highway, but nothing major. And they were just cruising along through this really deep forest, and they heard this crazy primal guttural groan scream thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. as they were driving you know they had the windows rolled down and it was so loud that it reverberated through the forest it freaked them out so bad they immediately pulled over she said she could hear she could feel it in her chest yeah she's like what the hell was that they both look at him like oh my god so they pull over and they hear it again and it was just like, I mean, my sister does it. It's like, mm-hmm. whoa. 
no animal made this sound no human made this sound this sound was so loud it just vibrated and just echoed through the forest like you wouldn't believe i mean for them to hear it the first time over Mm -hmm. the over the motor of the car and driving in motion yeah yeah, motion with the wind coming through the windows and all that Mm -hmm. and to hear it Mm -hmm. enough for you to pull over Mm -hmm. you imagine hearing it now you're parked anyway they came back telling the story and I, and I always remember the story of course over the years I got it all jacked up where I was saying oh yeah they were at a picnic in the woods you know I don't know I had it all messed up but right. I still remember the story where she they heard this this yell and that scared the living shit out of him and so so when she was here I told her about you know our little podcast where we're gonna be talking about Bigfoot she goes oh I totally believe in Bigfoot you've heard my Bigfoot story right and I'm like <laughs> Yeah, I did. Where you talked about you heard this yell or something up mm-hmm. by McLeod, and she's like, "Oh my God!" So she told me the story again, and she was she goes, and you can ask Jerry because Jerry was her husband at the time, long ex husband now. But she she goes, he'll tell you the exact same story. I mean, verbatim. And so she firmly believes that there was something out in that woods scared the living. Well, you can go on. You can you can spend years on YouTube. There's all kinds of audio alleging Bigfoot Sasquatch um, and they and some of it is called samurai chatter and when you listen to it it's you can't determine what it's not an English language but it's it's a unique language it's very weird and then there's all kinds of it's been known to uh, unknown source of like clicking sounds uh, like signaling between two entities clicking back and forth when you're walking down a trail there's been the wood knocks there's um, for a yell like that, you think you had a stomach ache? Yeah, well, and there's <laughs> Maybe a yell. you had to take a big shit? And I there's, don't know. And there's yelling going on. There's yelling, different yells. Um, whistling has been been reported. Communication is what's going on from what people are thinking is going on between them. And they're signaling to each other. And they're, um, anyway. Or maybe it was, or do you think they're territorial? Maybe this was like, hey, get the hell out of my yeah, yard. Yeah, there's, there's, been, there's been a lot of... Uh, People reporting. Or, or could have mom could have been mom Bigfoot just yelling for the kid to come. Well, home. it could be, yeah, yeah. Get your ass home, right, Bigfoot? Yeah. Fucking dinner's ready. <laughs> Ooh, I, mean, I mean, if I heard that, I'd be running home. Yeah. If my mom yelled like that, I'd be running my ass home. I have a recording that is a recording of a recording that Cindy Cadell took a couple of years ago in in that Tillamook area where there's a horse camp there, and um, very remote. Horse people don't use it anymore. Um, a lot of dirt biking going on around there. So there's horse camps with dead bodies and Bigfoot and what the hell? I don't know what's going, going on. on. I don't know. Friggin so at camps. any rate, what happened was um, she recorded this, and it was of two different entities um, from di- a great distance, and they were like responding back to, and forth to each other. It's very scary. Just scare the shit out, and you listen to it like that. That whatever that is is in the forest with me. Um, <laughs> she's also got thermal. She's also got an eight foot tall humanoid shaped figure on thermal that was rocking behind a tree back and forth so she's you know you know does she need to Are go you guys out armed th- when you're out there i mean you know i mean you can't be armed on the expeditions can't damn no, it can't be armed that's what the rules do you guys trust bigfoot not being violent well you know based on the description I mean, are there stories out there where bigfoot got violent with people yeah torrent um flipped over a teardrop camper on one of them holy hell um banged on the side of cabin walls broke windows out um lots of them there's all kinds of incidents the ape canyon incident back in 1938 
is a very infamous. Did you ever see that movie, The Legend of Boggy Creek? Yeah, that's oh, a very. Oh, yeah. that scared the yeah. shit out of me. When yeah, I was a Boggy teenager. Creek. Yeah. Woo, those red yeah. eyes looking in the windows. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even have my windows like at night. If, oh my God, I had to have curtains closed because I knew that you some know, big red eyes are going to come looking at if, me. <laughs> a lot of people that have a lot of these researchers start out in tents, and after some of them have been poked through their tent in the head with a, like a finger or something. <laughs> They suddenly find money to purchase uh, travel trailers. <laughs> so yeah, there's it, it's a huge world. It's a huge culture. Oh Bigfoot gosh. culture is huge. It's money being made. It's marketing. It's everything that happens. Um, again, they um, this the scientific community um, will not rest or categorize it as a species until a body is found. You know, and there are pick one up off satellite. Well, I mean, no, there's also well, I don't know, and there's also I just know what I know. You know, what I'm saying I go I out, know. I have a good time, I go camping, See, I get to sit around a fire. Comes comes to me with all the technology we have with satellite imagery and mm -hmm. you know infrared Im imagery. From, well, we from have there there they and, have been found, they have been seen on thermal imagers. They have from the air. I don't know about the air. That's what I'm talking about. Like I don't know. from helicopters, you know, how they find, you know, criminals running. How well, they do like you know. Yeah, and I've and I've I've searched. I've I've searched for myself and others have searched for robbery suspects on one incident where uh, the CHP helicopter has FLIR and um is that the thermal alarm? yeah and they and they were able to like locate ghosts. the two suspects that were they were under a bunch of leaves they buried they burrowed themselves four feet from me <clears throat> as I was standing in this heavily wooded area by a river and they were able to direct me to where they were and that is that is a scary feeling when you know you're standing a couple of feet from something mm. that's giving off a heat signature the, the the thermal also you could be in a spot and leave the spot and it would still have that heat signature for minutes after rocks Crazy. trees keep heat signatures so when you're looking in the forest at night you can still see the residual heat coming off of these um like rocks and trees so um all i know is that it's a lot of fun for me it's an adventure i'm an adventurous person um, you meet a lot of really neat people. Um, they're they're very intelligent, professional. They have jobs. You know, they're not nutcases. Um, so you know, if you like to camp, or if you you know um, you like you're inquisitive, so, then it's it's something else that you can do. And so you um, want to go out? We're gonna go out like soon, right? We're yeah. Gonna camp not gonna camp we're gonna sit in our lawn chairs in the middle of the night yeah we're not gonna say where we're going because we don't want no. whack jobs coming over and no. doing because that's happened too you know where that's why you're it's, give you a hint it's somewhere in north america where we'll be <laughs> we'll be in lawn chairs you can't miss it's, us and again it's a needle in a haystack but what else are you gonna do sit home and watch outlander series episodes yeah can we <laughs> i i don't i'm very new to this field i'm i'm it's just a hobby for me i have a full-time job that i do um, this is something I like to do on the side that's fun because it involves being in the forest and out in the wilderness, and, and I love doing it. And there's mystery behind it because it's, yeah, it's yeah. just mystery. Who knows? Who oh, knows? Mystery Science Theater 5, was it 3,000? Have you ever watched that? <laughs> yes. With those freaking robots <laughs> yes. commenting on stupid yes. B-grade movies? That's yes. the best shit ever. 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 They make up lines that the people on the movies are saying, <laughs> oh, that is, I, I, I miss that show. But yeah, no. Um, all right. So are we wrapping this one up? Yeah. I think we've covered it all. We've covered Bigfoot. We've covered the murder in my neighborhood. And next next uh, podcast is uh, social issues, current. Yeah. Gender identification, I'll, I'll tell you homosexuality. Little, well, I'm going to tell you a little story that happened to me in the backwoods. has to do with gender identification. 
And uh, that'll be next time here on uh, Ranch Girl Rants. Yeah. I know. You're, you're looking at me like, what the hell? Backwoods gender identification? I don't think <laughs> I've heard this story. <laughs> I'm but intrigued. I guess, but I guess we're going to hear it. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>